0: Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. Marriage, relationships, relationship. Love you to We Pray. Amen. This is our final week in the Song of Solomon. Uh, we, We keep getting some really just great, really great reports of like spouses saying things like, this has just been so good and I mean he's just been so romantic and then other spouses who are like. If he says one more thing about crescent rolls to me or gazelles or whatever, I'm going to knock him out. Nose like Lebanon, I'm knocking him out. So uh, at least there's interaction, you know? At least, there's, at least there's some conversation happening. We are in the final the final uh, chapter, the home stretch of the Song of Solomon. And uh, there's some really cool things that, that kind of open up and we get to see and we get to hear and we get to kind of... Um, vicariously live through Solomon and the Shulamite. Um, it does not does not map out like like the like the first part of the book. Uh, this is the closing statement, so a lot of loose ends are being tied up. This is not a Cohen brothers film. Um, this will have an ending if that means anything to you. <coughs> Chapter 8, verse 1, let's jump right into it. The Shulamite is speaking. She says, if only you were to me like a brother. Who was nursed at the at my mother's breast? Then I, if I found you outside, I would kiss you, and no one would despise me. Okay, it sounds kind of like a strange thing to say, somebody to, especially your spouse. Oh, how I wish you were my brother or my sister. Here's the thing we have to understand in the Jewish culture: um, any public display of affection is very taboo unless you're related. If you're a brother and sister, father, son mother-daughter, fine. But outside of that, once you get into that husband-wife relationship, out here in public, in the open, in public display of affection, appears, and here it is. All of a sudden, it is very taboo. What she is saying is, "I, I wish that we were, I wish that you were so close to me that that wouldn't even matter. It's not nearly as weird as it sounds. The next thing that she points to is this. Check this out. I would lead you and bring you to my mother's house, she who has taught me. I would give you spiced wine to drink, the nectar of my pomegranates. His left arm is under my head. His right arm embraces me. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you. Do not arouse or awaken love until it's so. Desires. There's this there's this key verse right here. I would lead you and bring you to the to my mother's house. Here's the application. What she's saying is this: I wish that we would have just grown up together. Isn't it amazing? Like inside your marriage, how much time when you look back on it, like you spent fighting? Like, why would why why are we arguing? Like There's some good, 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 good times ahead. There's great things going on. But then there's these pockets of time where we're just wasted, just wasted time. Here's here's point number one that we want to focus on. We focus on the commitment and not the fears. Here's the application. She says, I wish we would have just grown up together and I could have spent even more time with you than we have spent together already. There's certain fears that we show up in when, our marriage. We show up with these fears in our marriage. He's going to say something that's going to hurt my feelings. She's not going to affirm me as a man. He's going to say something that's going to sound like something my father used to say. And we bring all these things to a marriage. And while the wedding is beautiful, and while we have these Wonderful vows, and we're looking at each other's eyes and tell death do us part. Behind that is this other part that's like, but if you cross me, so help me, Lord Jesus. I will smoke you, you know? There's this other part, and this is because of fear. When we focus on the now in our relationship, when we get to those, those points of conflict, and we just stop and say, this is not, why? Why waste the time? Let's not wait. yeah, let's work it out, but let's not waste the time. They're focusing on the relationship and the commitment. And then they're going to move forward. They're not going to focus on the fears. Here's the thing that here's the thing that, that I've learned from being around good married couples. Married couples with healthy relationships. Love did not get them where they are. By love, I mean the feelings of love. There are not enough six-pack abs in the world. To keep you married. There is not enough beauty on her on her face for you to stay married to her. There's just not. At some point, on the inside of her, when it turns on you, she can be the most beautiful woman in the world. Now she's ugly. Same with him. The minute he's not nice, this perfect man is on the curb. That's it, can it happens that quick? The thing about couples. Healthy couples that endure the years and continue to make time and to win in marriage is that their love comes from their commitment. They're not basing it on their feelings. There are mornings, there are mornings you will wake up and you will not love him or you will not love her. It's just true. If if you haven't experienced that, sorry to break it to you, it's gonna happen she will wake up and she will leave something undone. The light will be on something and and it just happens. Turn that off, you know? And it can just get ugly. There's not enough love in the world. You cannot muster up the emotion to do that. Here's what you can do though. If you focus on the commitment itself, this is the commitment I made. Every single situation, every difficulty, every conflict that comes down the line, this is my commitment. We're going to work through this inevitably the feelings will follow. We focus on the commitment. This is my commitment. This is my commitment. In the world that we live in, commitments are so small. They're so small. They don't mean much. And so it's really easy to quit. It's really easy to walk away. The Shulamite says, this is what I wish. I wish we would not have wasted so much time on all of the fears that we had. I wish we wouldn't have. I wish we would have just spent more time being at peace and loving each other. Um, two things number one we, we live out our commitment the second thing is this she turns and she looks to the daughters of Jerusalem again we've heard her say this several times daughters of Jerusalem daughters of Jerusalem daughters of Jerusalem here she says it again here's part of the responsibility of married couples you also have to teach others about that same commitment we have children we have little ones around us all the time and they need to understand the power of that commitment the importance of that commitment and she turns and she looks to all the friends, all these other women that are around. And she says, do not arouse or awaken love. Basically, it's this. There is a moment for purity and wait and hold on. And, but when that, fire, when that starting pistol goes and the rings go on the finger and the guy says, do you? And you say, I do. And then the, the final song plays. And down the middle aisle, you go, do not look back. Don't focus on the fears. The six is to the next part. Verse five, who is this coming up from the desert leaning on her lover? The friends are speaking again. Who is this coming up from the desert leaning on her lover? Do you remember when we met the Shulamite? When she was in the vineyard? And Solomon looks at her and he's just like, eyes, mouth, everything just open, like she is so smoking hot. Remember she whips around and she says, what are you gawking at? She's like, don't stare at me. And he kind of, okay, I mean, I'm sorry. And she says, don't look at me because I'm darkened by the sun. I'm beautiful, but I'm darkened by the sun because I'm working like a man. Who do you think I am? And she compares herself. She says, do you think I'm one of the veiled women beside the flocks of your friends? Is this what you think I am? You think I'm a prostitute like what your friends over here have? Don't get it twisted. It's not me. And she is absolutely independent. Absolutely independent. And now the friends are saying this. Who is this woman coming up from the wilderness leaning on her lover? Here's the next thing we have to focus on. At some point, we have to get rid of the hurts from the past. We, We shrug off the damage that was done to us in earlier relationships we put that behind us the shulamite whatever her situation was wherever she grew up whatever whatever the home was like we don't we don't hear mention of a father and maybe she's got severe daddy issues at some point there's a point to where we must grow past the hurt and the pain that is in our history she leaves her baggage in the back, where it belongs. Number two, focus on the commitment, not on the baggage. It is so easy to do. Well, I was raised this way, so the way I think is right. That'll only go so far in marriage. That will only go so far. Well, this is the way my dad did it, so this is the way I'm going to do it because this is the right way. And your dad was a genius, right? Sure thing. It only goes so far. At some point, we drop the baggage and we focus on the relationship. We have to stay focused on the commitment. You know what? What do we need to do to make this thing right? I'm going to leave all the hurt from other people, from my background, from my family, whatever it is, I'm going to leave it back there. And I'm not going to take this stuff and transfer it and put it on you. And they say, look how evident it is. Somebody who was once absolutely independent, on her own, even vicious, to a point is now snuggled up beside Solomon, leaning on her lover. The word is bound, bound to him, bound to him. Third thing, the Shulamite then speaks. She says, under the apple tree, I roused you. There your mother conceived you. And there she who was in labor gave birth to you Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. The Shulamite begins to speak from her heart it almost seems somewhat prophetic. And she begins to focus in on one thing, that she is going to, number one, commit to God first. Commit all of her love to God first. Do you know where we run out of, where we run out of uh, energy in marriage? When we begin to look at each other as, I need to please her and she needs to please me. I need to please her and she needs to please me. And we get into this system to where I do this and she does that, and I do this and she does that. Can you tell me, like, how is that any different than all your other relationships? It's not. You go out to lunch with your buddy, you buy lunch, your buddy looks at you and goes, hey, next time I'll get it. You gonna marry your mechanic? I mean that's that's it. So that's just the trade we don't get into that kind of relationship. What we get into is one to where I take my energy and my focus and my love and I put it on God. Here's why. You cannot stay married and have a healthy marriage without Jesus. You just can't. Like we said, the six-pack abs and all that, like, it might be neat to look at, but at the end of the day, it ain't picking the socks off the floor. I've heard I mean, it's just not. There's not enough in the world. Marriage is impossible without God. Yeah, but Jared, I know couples who aren't Christian couples, and they've been married for like 80 years, and I bet you they are a dream to be around. I bet you they are a dream to be around. How does the relationship work? You want something to drink? Oh, get in the yard. Leave me alone. Don't bother me. At some point, something has got to give. We do not have that. We do not have the ability to love husbands. We do not have the ability to love a wife the way she needs to be loved. We don't have that ability. It requires God to do that. Here's the the metaphor. If my little one wants fruit snacks out of the cabinet, she can't reach them. She has to ask somebody who is taller, like her mother, to be able to reach them. (laughs) It requires somebody else with a different set of skills, with a capacity to do the thing you cannot do. And when it comes to loving a spouse, your spouse deserves nothing less than the very best of love. And we can only get that from Christ. Listen to what she says here. This is, this is really great. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death, its jealousy, unyielding as the grave. Isn't that, isn't that just 100% true? Like, love is that peaceful, romantic, holding hands, walk in the park. But, like, the second somebody else, uh, like, gets near that, and it, it becomes a threat, like, it can go from, like, peace, peaceful to, like, ammo shells on the floor. You know what I mean? Like, it just, you just, love does this thing. It has this ability. It has this power to make us turn on a dime. Here's some really bad news I got about Solomon. And this makes me wonder if if, uh, this wasn't the reason for her words. If you go through the Old Testament, what you find out is that Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Solomon wrote 1,005 different songs. This is the only one we have. Scripture records the fact that Solomon had all of these songs, like gold and platinum records on the wall everywhere. Songs. This is the only one we have. Do you think the Shulamite knows something about jealousy? Do you think the Shulamite takes a look at the harem and says, I'll choke that girl. I promise you I will choke her out. Have her rap on that door one more time. I will grab her up by her. You know what I mean? Get half it. And that's where it is. Do you think she understands what jealousy is, what love is? I think she does. Listen to this next line. It burns like blazing fire. There's only one place in the whole Song of Solomon that God is mentioned. The whole book, eight chapters, and God is never brought up until we get right here. And then you don't even see it. It burns like blazing fire, like the mighty flame. There's a little footnote, it goes down to C, or like the very flame of the Lord. And it's just a small little insertion of the first part of Yahweh's name, Yah. Like the flame of Yah. And she begins to say, this is where it's at. I can only love this man if it is a love like God's. I can only love this man if it is a love like God's. 1 John 4, 18 and 19 says this, There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. We cannot properly love our spouse if we do not love God. Our relationship with God comes first and then our relationship with our spouse. There's some really cool things that are unfolding right here. She says, many waters cannot quench love, rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of this house of this house for love, it would be utterly scorned. And then these people reemerged. Do you remember chapter 1? When we found the Shulamite in the vineyard, do you remember what she was saying about her mother's sons? They were angry with me, and they made me work in the vineyard. All right, moms and dads, listen close. We have a young sister. Her breasts are not yet grown. What shall we do for, her sister, for our sister for the days she has spoken for? If she is a wall, we will build towers of silver on her. If she is a door, we will enclose her with panels of cedar. This is brilliant. The brothers are saying, Dad wasn't around, and so we raised our daughter. Our sister became our daughter, and we raised her. And we did not know what she was going to be. We didn't know. How She was going to act We didn't know What kind of issues There were going to be And so we did The smartest thing We could do And we worked her We taught her All the difficulties Of life We had conversations With her Like we would have With one another Like a father Would have with her We put all of this Information out in front of her And we worked her To death And I love this verse Because if she is a wall Then we will hang Silver on her And if she is a door We will board her up Like a hurricane's coming Let me ask you something. Which is easier to walk through, a wall or a door? A door. And the brothers say, if she is an easy target, if she could be easily seduced, if she is like a door, then we're going to board her up and we're going to work her hard and we're going to keep her busy, and we're going to parent her different than we parented our other one because this one needs some special attention because we can see it. Parents, do we not have the luxury of life experience? And so in retrospect, we can look back at our life and we can see the mistakes. And then when it comes to our children and they come walking down those same roads, do we take our pain and our brokenness and our past screw-ups and lay them out in front of the people around us? Do we take them and put them in front of our children and say, I know this is true, and I know it will hurt because I did it? Or do we try to keep face? Do we try to save face? Do we try to put ourselves in a position to where the people around us never know we failed? As parents, we can't. We can't. We have the luxury of life experience. So we step into our, parents, into our kids' life and we say, this is the mis- these are the mistakes that we've made. Because we are who we are, parents, and we have seen the world, you know that you can look at your children and you can see which children have this wandering eye. It's true, isn't it? You can tell which kid is going to be that one. That's just, off it goes. Uh, we're going to need to leash that one right we know we have this ability it's like when I introduce mine I have one who is sweet and I have one that is fun and those are just the dominant features of each one of them one will be sweet one unfortunately will be fun I will board her up I will board her up why because I don't know what I got on my hands yet, I'm boarding her up. We have the luxury of life experience. So we take our own pain and we put it out there and we let them know this is what it is. Listen to what the Shulamite says. Now listen, Jared, I I want my kid to like me. I want my kid to be my friend. I want my kid to enjoy being raised by me and to think that I'm a wonderful parent because I have a very small ego and low self-esteem. That's terrible. That's what I want for my children, for them to think I'm the greatest thing ever in the history of the world. So I want to give them everything. Then give them everything and I promise they will hate you. They will hate you. They will grow up to hate you. Here's another promise I'll make you. Discipline them and they will hate you. They will hate you. Restrict them and they will hate you. But there will be a day that that will change. And then we'll get to that place in life to where they will turn and go. They are smart. Mean, but smart. It will happen. Because those of you who were raised by strict parents, you know that's true. Once who regulated you and said these, this is the way this is going to go. I don't mean the over-the-top weird kind of stuff. I just mean parents who, no, that's not the way it's going to go. We're doing things this way. These are the rules. You broke them. Here's the punishment. For those parents who boarded you up, no. You know you're going to be wandering all over the globe boarding you up. You know that there was a moment where you turned around and you went, had they not been there, I'd have messed this up. Listen what the Shulamite says. Very next line. Let's read this one here, verse 9. If she's a wall, we will build towers of silver on her. If she is a door, we will enclose her with panels of cedar. And then the Shulamite replies, I am a wall. Thank you. I thought you were mean to me for making me work in that vineyard. I thought you were terrible to me for working me in that vineyard. I thought you were mean and I thought you were angry and I was raised my whole life with these two mean brothers, but now I get it. You were preparing me. That's what the brothers said. What are we going to be able to say on the day that she is spoken for and her and her man shows up to take her off? What are we going to say? But we didn't know what we had on our hands. If she was crazy town, we're going to board her up if she was good, you know, we're going to reward her. And then what does she say here? Thank you. I am a wall. Because of you, I am a wall. Verse gets a little more explicit. And my breasts are like towers. Thus, I have become in his eyes like one bringing Contentment, because of my brothers because of the parental advice in our life because we step into the lives of our children we will teach them how to have a good marriage number three I mean number four we commit to leaving a legacy of godly marriages did I give you number three already? I didn't give you number three? let me give you back. commit to God first then your spouse yeah there it was and then number four Commit to leaving a godly legacy. A godly legacy of marriage. That's what that is. Commit to leaving a legacy of godly marriages. Sorry. And so that's what we do. We step into our kids' life, and we begin to tell them, this is how you have this kind of marriage. There'll be a day when they will grow up, and they will understand, oh, now I get it. This makes a lot of sense. Listen to the words that she says right here. I am a wall, my breasts are like towers. Thus, I have become in his eyes like one, bringing contentment. Here's the beauty in the Hebrew. You can't see it in English. In the Hebrew, this is, this is absolutely perfect. Her name is Shulamite, which comes from the word Solomon. Solomon's name comes from the word peace. This is what this verse says. The Shulamite brings Shalom to Shalom." In the Hebrew, it's much prettier. It doesn't sound nearly as weird. But it is so cool. Peace, peace, peace. And how did we get there? Because somebody boarded me up. Somebody kept me busy. Somebody lined me out and told me what I needed to be. And because of that, ask the king. Who brings him peace? Who is the one that fulfills the king? I am. Why? Because I know how to work a vineyard. Here comes the big reveal, okay? We brought all the old characters back, brought some of the old plot back. Now, check this part out. Now, this is exciting to me, and you can just think I'm weird, but I think it's so exciting. Verse 11. Here's the backstory. Solomon had a vineyard in baal Hamon. He led it out to its tenants. Each was to bring for its fruit a thousand shekels of silver. Do you remember where, where we met her? In the vineyard. Solomon was by the vineyard and the brothers were working the vineyard and here's what she says I have some creative there's some creative license I need a little creative license I didn't know this when I was younger but you're the one that saved my family you showed up and you took your vineyard and you handed it over to my brothers, and you let them work the vineyards and sell the grapes and make the wine so that we could live, and that was all because of you, Solomon? That was you all along? You were there caring for me all the way back then? You see, you're a man of character because you were generous back then. Before you ever knew me, when I was just a little girl with dusty feet plucking grapes off of an old vine. You were that kind of man back then. And you have always been this kind of man, a generous man. And then the turn of phrase. But my vineyard is mine, it is mine to give. And the thousand shekels are for you, O Solomon. Keep the change. The two hundred are for those who tend its fruit. And she turns to Solomon and she says, You gave my family a vineyard once. Now I'll give you mine. Solomon turns to the people nearby and he says, Look, you who dwell in the gardens with friends and attendants, let me hear your voice. There are some of you who are knocking it out of the park as husbands and wives. You're working through the difficulties. You're handling the things that come up. You're you're focusing on the important parts. Some of you who are single and you're keeping yourselves in that place of like, we got to stay pure. We got to do this thing right. We got to make sure we honor God with everything we do. We're going to be in church. Like some of us are doing it. And Solomon's encouragement is this. You are doing it right. Keep guard at the door. Stay alert. This is the important part of life, and if you get this part right, the rest of it is a whole lot easier. Isn't that true? If you can get marriage right, the rest of life gets a whole lot easier. You have a helpmate. You have a teammate. You have a friend. You have a conversation. You have a lover. You experience the very love of God with your spouse. She turns and she says, Come away, my lover, and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the spice laden mountains. Does she know how to speak his language? Yes, she does. Yes, she does. How old is this couple at this point? I don't know. I don't know. But here's what I know the power of God can get us through the difficult times. There was a situation, I can't remember the date exactly, 2000, I want to say one or 2003, uh, Penn State football stadium. A seven foot, 900 pound statue was put in front of the stadium of Joe Paterno. Bronze, holding up his index finger, number one. Here we go. This guy won 15 major awards. One of the first, one of the the first coach to ever win all four of the major bowls, major bowl games. Coach five undefeated teams. They called him Saint Joe, and there was a mural there in town. Do, you, do you remember seeing it? And they went in, and they put a halo above Joe Paterno on this mural. And then in 2011, Jerry Sandusky's whole thing came out. And then Joe Paterno was implicated as one who concealed information about the harm that he had done, that Jerry Sandusky had done to these kids. Penn State had the same coach for over a half a century. This guy had done so much good. He cared about so many of those kids, like an 85 or 87% graduation rate in, inside the football club. This is a guy that cared about his job. And then one time, he turned the other way. One time, he turned the other way. he got lazy and he turned and just this is I'm going to do the the least I have to do to just make sure that I just do the right thing but it's the least I can I just here it is this is what I heard I don't know what if it's true and he and he walked away and he turned and walked away statue's gone all the wins are gone the awards are gone everything's gone They came and they took all of it away. They got rid of the statue. They got rid of the plaques. They rebuilt over the top of it because he turned away. When when you get to the end of Solomon's life, here's what you hear. This man full of romance and full of passion and full of wisdom, it gets to the end of his life and it says, he was carried away by other gods after being connected to these women from other places who wanted to worship these other gods, Solomon's life all ends at this very abrupt stop. Of and you know what? He was great for a minute, but then he turned and he looked the other way. He turned away from God. He started following these other women, these wives that he that he that he collected. And he started worshiping other gods. It's a sad story. Ladies, listen, you didn't marry Solomon. And that's probably a good thing. And that's probably a good thing. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to screw stuff up. But there's an integrity level to where we just say, we're going to do the right thing. We've just got to keep doing the right thing because a really great life can be spent by just turning away one time. Solomon's life is a sad, sad, sad ending. has a very sad ending. The beauty of it is this. We have the song of Solomon. We have this thing that we can go back on that even if this is just the part where God says, this is Solomon's highlight reel, can we just focus on that? Can we just focus on this part? There's wisdom here. Does God forgive? Yeah, he forgives. Have we screwed up our marriages? Yeah, absolutely, we all have. If you haven't, you will. We're going to mess them up. Does God forgive us? Yeah. Does he, does he take away those black marks? Yeah, he does. Does he restore us and put us back together? Yeah, Lamentation says this. God will restore what the locusts have eaten. If you've gone through something bad, if you've gone through a, a bad experience in a marriage, if it's baggage that's held you down, God can put that back. But it comes, on, it comes back on us as we have to submit our life to him. We have to submit our life to him. Let's pray and we will get out of here.